Welcome to One Haas, a podcast devoted to bringing the Haas community closer together through your stories. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and my mission is to help open our eyes to the network we never knew we had. Today, I'm joined by Maurizio Asperti of the full-time 2019 program. How are you doing? Good, Sean. How are you? Good. Let's uh, start off with, uh, where are you from? So I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn, uh, raised in Staten Island, went to high school in Harlem. Uh, so yeah, I'm a New York kid. And what's your, uh, where's your last name from? Uh, it's from Italy. My parents are from Naples. Uh, and my last name is actually from a town called Bergamo, which mm. is in Northern Italy. It's about 45 minutes outside of Milan. Let's dig into the good stuff. Where'd you go to school for your undergrad? I went to uh, McGill University in Montreal. And you studied? I studied, I started out as a mechanical engineer, and then I switched to economics. I also have minors in French language, in Italian literature, and statistics. I was kind of a mess. Are you fluent in uh, either yeah, of those languages? Both. both? Nice. Okay. And uh, so what brought you to Moody's? Uh, dumb luck. Uh, I just landed there. Somebody said, hey, I have a friend at Moody's. Why don't you have a chat with him? And I I actually didn't have an internship or job, rather, lined up for the uh, for graduation. So uh-huh. I chatted with him. He goes, yeah, well, we can bring you on for an internship. So my final summer after graduation, I right. was doing an internship at Moody's. And uh, yeah, I, I actually still remember it. The day of my graduation, I skipped it because that was the first day of the internship. So tell me a little bit about what you did at Moody's. Yeah, so my very first job uh, was in a product management role, actually. Uh, we were in charge of the company's website. It wasn't okay. a finance role at all. And uh, so I learned about agile, about development, um, kind of you know software development, web development. Uh, we were the interface between kind of the sales guys and the engineers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, typical PM role and... We did a lot of client research. It, it was fun. It was as a first job. It was a good kind of introduction to the corporate world mm-hmm. and how politics can come into it and things like that. And how did you make the move? Did you make a move into finance at Moody's? Yeah, yeah. I was actually very fortunate uh, to be around really good people. Um, when the internship concluded, they asked me to stay on, and I said, in retrospect, I, you know, this probably was a very risky thing to do, but I did it anyway. I wanted, I was kind of idealistic. I told them, I would love to do this, mm-hmm. but ultimately I want to go over to the rating agency because I'm still reading the Financial Times every day. Yeah. And so, kind of, my heart is in finance and world events and things like that. So, that's what I want to do. And the managing director at the time said to me, You give us 18 months of kick ass and we'll help you go wherever you want to go. Huh. So, I was really fortunate. That's, uh, and I'm well, still in touch with those guys. Sounds like you did give your kick ass. So, yeah, yeah. So, so what'd you do after the uh, the PM role? So after the PM role, I got a I got a job on the power and utilities team at Moody's, which is a uh, it's a ratings team. Hmm. So basically, companies come in whenever they want to borrow money or do some corporate action that could affect their credit profile, meaning change their credit metrics, things like funds from operation to debt or you know debt to equity, things like that, because they have a vested interest in kind of keeping a relationship with the rating agency going. They want mm-hmm. to have good ratings so that they have a good investor base, so that capital is open to them when they need it. Mm-hmm. And that was the role. It was relationship management with the companies. It was a lot of a financial analysis and a lot of presentation as well because ratings are decided in committee at Moody's. Huh. Meaning 
let's say PG&E wants to come in and they say, all right, we're going to change, we're going to undertake this big CapEx program. Right. And this is how we're going to fund it. We're going to borrow 60% of the estimated cost in debt. This is how it's going to change our credit metrics. Um, we need a rating on this. We need you to affirm our rating or you know, react. Right. And what we would do as uh, ratings analysts is we would take their so-called pitch book, kind of their PowerPoint presentation detailing everything. We would run it through our own models. We would sensitize it. We would stress it. We would uh, map it to our own methodology, right. which spits out a rating. We would put the strengths and weaknesses of the company in kind of a, what's called a credit memo and right. present that memo in a committee and say, this is what we think the rating should be. Huh. And so we had to persuade other senior people to kind of sign off on the recommendation. And that's how ratings are produced. So were you in utilities the whole time or did you go? So I did that for two years and then I switched over to what to what's called project finance because basically that allowed me to get closer to the assets. So instead of analyzing giant companies like PG and E, I was able to analyze individual power plants. Hmm. I was able to go visit these things, talk to engineers, see kind of what the decisions are that they faced on a daily basis. And that was just fun. That was a, a great way to learn kind of in-depth about an industry. Mm-hmm. And also each asset, so it wasn't just power plants, it was midstream energy, like uh, natural gas pipelines, midstream um, crude oil storage, refined product storage, like gasoline. Mm-hmm. And each of those assets has kind of their own business model. So I would get a lot of exposure to many different sorts of financial models right? based on you know what markets affect these assets. Right. And what their operations are, how many, you know, in terms of fixed costs versus right, variable right. costs, things like that. So it was a very good business kind of overall finance education as well. So I have to ask because uh, you know, recently watched some of the uh, the Netflix documentaries on uh, the, the late two thousand crisis. Yeah, uh, the relationship between the investment banks and the credit yeah. rating agencies. Did you see the Big Short? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. I mean, did you see any? Uh, were you aware of any changes that like these ratings agencies made? Like, did they still? Provide ratings for investments for investment banks, mm-hmm. uh, like these deals. So I started in 2010. Mm-hmm. The crash, the real crash, was in 2008. Eight, yeah. When did Lehman Brothers go back? September 2008, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That was when kind of the shit hit the fan, and a lot of the structured finance group at Moody's by the time I had gotten there was let go. I see, uh, because the business literally collapsed. Well, whatever that means. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it dried up. I see. Securitizations, MBS, it totally stopped. There were stories about what it was like before the crisis. So, yeah. for example, my boss had been there since before the crisis. And uh, there was definitely a culture change hmm. across the organization. Now, it should be noted that you know the only ratings that did not perform on part of Moody's were the, the structured finance ratings yeah, on yeah. residential mortgage-backed securities. Yep. The corporate ratings, for example, those held up. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else was fine. So um, last summer, looks like you did an internship, or was it just last year? It was last uh, year did an internship. the first half of 2017. This was before you started school? Correct. Walk me through. So um, did, uh, you definitely applied to school before that. Uh, yeah. yeah. But you applied for an internship as, at the same time? Yeah, I was, I was very skeptical of uh, MBA programs generally. Was uh, it was kind of confusing to me to see people going into these two-year programs, drinking a lot, mm-hmm. and then coming out with better jobs. Uh, that didn't click in my uh-huh. head. I'm a very practical person. Yeah. It's one of the other reasons I came to Haas is because I know that that can be a weakness. Hmm. So I held off. 
the MBA decision quite a bit. Mm. And one of my good friends and colleagues who is, will be graduating this year from Wharton, uh, he's the one who convinced me after I was just like constantly criticizing his decision to take on an MBA mm-hmm. instead of just look for another job directly. Mm-hmm. He was the one who convinced me to go go after Haas. So basically, I looked for an investment banking role mm-hmm. for about a year, year and a half. Okay. And a lot of rejections came out of that. Right. Uh, this is from Moody's. Yeah. And I used a lot of connections, but ultimately they had to go with a banker because they didn't want to train somebody. Right. Kind of off cycle, right? So ultimately when that didn't pan out, that's when I decided to pursue the MBA, mm-hmm. study for the GMAT and all that stuff. Uh, and then I get a call from one of the leads that I had in London, mm-hmm. BNP Paribas. And, um, and they said, okay, we're ready for you. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I just like submitted some of my applications to the MBA program, so I'm probably going to be somewhere in the fall. Yeah. And they said, oh, that's okay. We can call it a um, we can call it a pre MBA internship. Huh. We'll make it a temporal. It was my first time in my life uh, temping. Also, my first time living in the UK. Actually, tell us a little bit about that because I'm pretty sure some students are curious about. Um uh, you know, for incoming students or prospective students, yep. actually, or even for first year EWs mm-hmm. um, like me, who can't, you know, go through the OCI process. Mm-hmm. How did you go about getting an internship with an investment bank when that's they usually like to go on cycle? How did that process work? Well, I mean, it was a very long one. Like I said, I'd been speaking to different banks a lot, many times through connections mm-hmm. for about like a year, year and a half. So you're just sending out resumes and and just and going to coffee chats. I was and, yeah, I was doing coffee chats. I was applying just you know to every position that came up on LinkedIn and on it. these websites themselves. In fact, that's how I got uh, the BMP role. And these things happen, uh, I presume, because an associate or a new associate or an analyst leaves. Yeah, and so it's out of cycle, and they they need someone to fill that that seat because they have a deal going. That's exactly right. Okay, so that is uh, that's definitely a possibility that I think people should. Uh, Look into and consider. When, oh, absolutely! When they struggle with now, uh, some banks will be different from others in terms of how they approach that situation. Some mm-hmm. banks will refuse to just hire anybody to lighten the load. They'd rather work harder mm. than bring in the wrong person. Got it. So, you know, it's rough out there. It's, you don't know what kind of bank you're really interviewing for until you actually show up on day one. So, since you had this investment banking pre-internship, yeah, what brought you to Haas? So, I visited, I think, seven or eight. MBA programs. Mm-hmm. Um, went on campus, talked to students. Haas was the only one where I was able to just walk through the courtyard and talk to strangers, mm. like students who didn't know I was here or coming. Yeah, I literally just introduced myself to multiple people, and mm-hmm. they each gave me up to an hour of their time just randomly, just wow. talking about. I had lunch with one of them. One of them I'm still very good friends with, I'm in touch with. That sounds like Haas. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I didn't get that at any of the other... Um, any of the other programs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one program that I did get that at, actually, and that was uh, the program in Barcelona, but the picture for banking in Europe is still kind of very hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of one of the reasons. There's a bunch of reasons I left BNP in London, but that's one of them. Mm. Basically Brexit. I see. Threw a wrench into everybody's plans. And that's still to be determined how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. The recent news is positive, but we'll see. I see. So coming in, you knew uh, you wanted to go into banking. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew exactly the uh, recruitment schedule, the timeline. Yeah. 
It's very structured. So you had that all nailed down. So you just went through it. Any hiccups along the way? Yeah, oh, they were hiccups. Uh, I um, <laughs> I actually wasn't targeting San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, two months in, I had had some family events happen, mm-hmm. and I determined that I wanted to be closer to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my family still in New York. Yeah. So I started targeting New York firms. Started telling folks out here, look. I think I need to go back to New York. Uh, can you put me in touch with the offices there? And that was there were a lot more misses there uh, than I had expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the banks out here just weren't very cooperative in that, in that respect. So, and I don't blame them for that. Right? Yeah, they're they're looking to fill their positions. Yep, they're looking to maximize the capacity of their office. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand. There are other banks that operate as one kind of firm, mm-hmm. and that was a good sort of differentiator. It was a painful one, but it was good for me to see it firsthand. But did I, you did you know what, any other students that were also kind of going to New York as well, or wanting to go to New York? A couple, yeah, a couple, uh, but no one was targeting New York specifically the way I was. I so, mean, what what industry sector or group are you were you targeting? I wasn't targeting a specific group. I said that very directly to the bankers. I said, look, I, I have a certain amount of experience in a particular sector, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to go back into it yeah. if you think that's where I'm most valuable. Right. But I'm not wedded to it. So if you would like me to go somewhere else, I can do that as well. For our listeners, where did you end up getting an internship at this summer? Yeah, so I'll be starting uh, at Goldman Sachs in the West Region Advisory Team. Let's talk about your experience at Haas so far. Yeah. Are you really involved with school? or What has been your experience so far at Haas? I'm I'm involved in getting to know the people uh, in my class. That's been kind of my priority, and mm-hmm. I've been able to do that. I think Haas really admits an extraordinary caliber of people, people mm-hmm. who have done things in their lives that you look at them and you say, wow. Yeah. And sometimes they look at you and say, wow. But of course, when that <laughs> happens with me, I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> you need to set your bar higher, pal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... You well, know that's been kind of the richness of Haas. the The academics has not been my forte. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they call it B school for a reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but let me let me ask you this um, because this is a challenge that I've encountered uh, from my first year here is really trying to connect with the other cohorts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you the found cohorts being? What do you mean by cohort? Because aren't you guys you, the full time program is also broken up into four cohorts? Yes. Right? Axe, Oski, Blue, yep. and Gold. Gold. What cohort are you? Axe. Okay. What's your What's the full time program like? That's something that I'm completely unaware of mm-hmm. because we are broken up into Blue and Gold are on the weekdays. Yeah. So we literally never see them. Uh, I don't even think they see each other. But they, oh, I they didn't do even have know that. Okay. Yeah, they have more events between themselves because they'll be like, oh, let's go out on Friday night, Saturday mm-hmm. night, because uh, they don't have classes, mm-hmm. you know, all day Saturday. But Axe and Oski were all day Saturday. Mm-hmm. So um, our schedules are, we're literally on top of each other in terms right. of classrooms. So we get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. In terms of full-time program, the cohorts really don't mean much in terms of your ability to interact with each other and schedules? Well, I'm, there is some of that. Like uh, the cohorts do have their own events. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue has a lot of events where they do a whole bunch of very well-organized things. Uh, <laughs> uh, Axe has its own events, um, so so we're closest to our own cohort, I mm-hmm. would say. Uh, but outside of that, not really. We we all kind of see each other quite a bit. But yeah, like, 
the only difference is kind of you you know your cohort a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I imagine you guys because uh, your program is so accelerated that you actually move into electives much quicker too, right? Like how how, how long was your core? I'm taking classes? some electives now, and it's my second semester. Yeah, I see. Um, so yeah. So you guys finished core in your first semester. Well, the first semester is entirely core, and then mm-hmm. the second semester is half core, half electives. I and think. that's and that's when you start mingling with the that's, other yeah, cohorts. That's okay. exactly right. Yeah, that's good. So I, f- I feel comfortable talking about this. Uh, I'm glad. I, I think you. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I'm about to ask you next is, how do you find the uh, camaraderie amongst your classmates, <laughs> and what is the lifestyle like for yeah. the full time MBA student? Oh God! I, is it is it everything that they say it is? The MBA lifestyle uh, for the full time student is what you want it to be. Really, that's mm-hmm. actually one of the interesting things um, about it. It's it's like going to a very large university, but you're not you're not at a large university, so people will notice if you're kind of missing right from the scene if you're MIA. Uh, so that's on you to mm-hmm. kind of make sure that you're present and that you're getting to know people and they're getting to know you. Mm-hmm. If that is your interest, mm-hmm. for some people it's not, and you know, more power to them, right? Um. But yeah, if you want to party really hard, you can do that. Yeah. If you want to just study, you can do that, but your return on investment is probably the lowest in that scenario, I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Because if you just study really hard, then it just, it's just like you're, you're focusing on your GPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should come here to learn hard skills that you came here to learn. Mm-hmm. Everything else, you know. Put some effort into it, but don't right. kill yourself. Yeah, and the rest should be learning about other people's life experiences because mm. there's just things you can't learn in a classroom. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, this is that—that's that's my, good. Man. That's my feeling too. This is the ROI. What other point in your life are you going to be able to be surrounded by this many people from this many different industries? Yeah, who are just open to trying something new? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I can tell you, I don't think ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no, if you are, you know, if that ends up being your environment for the rest of your life, then you found you found something really special. But yeah, but, you know. What are some other uh, tips uh, that you can give for prospective or incoming students this coming year? Um, it really depends. Again, I'm a practical person, so I mm-hmm. apologize for being not so visionary in this answer. It, it really depends on what your goals are. Okay. Right. If you don't have a particular goal, or if you're one of the kids that you know went into investment banking straight out of undergrad or something like that, and they went into private equity two years later, and now you've got like you know half a mil to a mil in the bank, then you you're in a position to just find yourself mm-hmm. to do some growing up. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. But if you're not in that position, or if you know mom and dad aren't bankrolling you, mm-hmm. you know you've got skin in the game. Yeah, and so you know it's very good to explore. But the less you know what you want to do, the the kind of I don't know. You have to you have to be careful with how you play it. Yeah, because the thing is, you'll find a job. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at the kind of job postings that come out on CareerNet mm-hmm. for the full timers that are graduating. It's just so many companies, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, that are posting so many positions, not just on the West Coast either, but all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, also all over the world. Uh, so you'll find a job, but you have to, you know, if you don't know what your goals are at the very beginning, you have to make it a mission to kind of narrow to uh, to a focus mm-hmm. by a certain time in your first year, mm-hmm. right? 
at least to know, you know, the internship, what it, what it will be. Mm-hmm. Kind of what will you target for the internship? Yeah. And if you're going again, because if you're going to do banking and consulting, mm-hmm. those start in the first month. Yeah. So it's not like you can decide at the very last second or, you know, in uh, December that you want to do banking and then it'll work out. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's just you're handicapping your odds. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, my advice is come here to find yourself if you got the money to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, it's still worth it as long as you know that at some point you have to rationally focus on trying something yeah. and determining whether you like it and then deciding on what you're going to pursue. Thank you so much, Mauricio, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for tuning in today. My aim is to bring the Haas community closer together through your stories. We're always looking for Haasies willing to share their stories and experiences so that we can give you more insights into the different programs, different careers, and ultimately different perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to email me for suggestions on how I can improve this podcast or if you have any recommendations on people or content you'd like to hear. My email is reachshawn at berkeley.edu. That's spelled R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N at berkeley.edu. 